Hello and welcome to episode 42 of the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. My name is Brian DiNovellis. Hey, welcome to the show. College basketball season is tipped off and what a great first week it was. Just a reminder before we get started, if you like the content on this podcast channel, just take a couple of minutes, please write a review, share it with your friends. We're always looking to talk about the best stories, the best players and teams in the tri-state of Connecticut, New York, and New Jersey. So get our name out there and please uh, tell your friends about it. Speaking of the best teams, right now, the tri-state team that's trending the highest is UConn, without doubt. The Huskies were unranked to start the college basketball season. Not sure what the voters were thinking there, but they got it right this week. The Huskies checking in at number 25 in the AP Top 25 poll right behind Texas A&M, who was also unranked in the preseason. UConn 2-0 after a couple of blowout wins over Stonehill and Boston University. Here to talk about those Huskies is David Borges, who covers UConn for the New Haven Register and the Hearst Media Group. David, good to talk to you again. Hey, how are things in my native state of Connecticut? Oh, things are going well, Brian. Uh, good to be here. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people have some high hopes for the Huskies this season. And rightfully so. Look, there was a there was an overhaul of this roster. And I'm just impressed with the way, listen, they lost a lot of leaders and R.J. Cole and Polly and Tyrese Martin and Isaiah Whaley. And I, I am so impressed with the way Dan Hurley has been able to uh, replenish, reload with high level transfers and certainly uh, impact freshmen. Yeah, no question. And I think that's one of the reasons why they may not have been ranked in the preseason because they did lose a lot of players, like you said. You know, Tyrese Martin, the only Big East player to be drafted in the in, in the in the 2022 NBA draft, um, second round pick with the Hawks, and of course R.J. Cole, the point guard and leader, Isaiah Whaley, a, a big time leader. Um, so yeah, they, they lost a lot, and you know they had Thomas Sinogo back, but then a lot of question mark. Could Jordan Hawkins uh, step up and be a superstar? Can Andre Jackson take it to a next level? Will the, will the transfers mesh? Will the freshmen have an impact? And um, so far, we've had, you know, two of their three best players, the, the aforementioned Jordan Hawkins and Andre Jackson, have not played. Um, well, Jordan Hawkins played for about eight minutes in the opener before uh, sustaining a, a, a concussion. So he hasn't played since then, hasn't even scored a point yet this year. And Andre Jackson hasn't played either. So, yeah, I think they've done a good job meshing together um, transfers, a couple of real impact freshmen, and obviously Adama Sanova is, is, is even better than advertised. So let's talk about the latest on the injuries. Uh, I've been following you on Twitter. If, if uh, you want to follow David Borges on Twitter, he does a fantastic job uh, with the latest news on, on UConn men's basketball. Uh, maybe we can see Jordan Hawkins uh, as soon as next week or, or Jackson. Are they close to returning? It sounds that way. Andre Jackson broke his pinky finger. This would have been about a month ago. Um, they were saying at the time five to six weeks might even be five weeks at this point. Um, I think there was a lot of hope that he'd be back for the PK-85 Invitational, which is Thanksgiving, starts Thanksgiving Day in Portland, which is going to be a great tourney. So that would give him a little more than a week to come back. Um, that's what Dan Hurley, he hasn't progressed to live action in practice yet, but he's very close to doing that. And I would guess that if he does that over the next couple of days, then you might see him perhaps Friday night or, or, or Sunday. And they have games this weekend on Friday and Sunday. Maybe both, maybe one of those two games. I think hopefully in UConn, they'd like to get him back on the court. 
Um, so we'll see. But he seems to definitely be progressing well. With, with Jordan Hawkins, it's a concussion. you got to be careful with that in this day and age, obviously, with right. you know what happened with Tua and the NFL and all that kind of stuff. So we'll see about that. Um, but it does sound like it's it was fairly mild. And um, it does sound like we may see Jordan um, – you know, back before Thanksgiving as well. Listen, you hit the nail on the head. Every concussion is different. You can't look into one person returning in three days and one person needing three weeks. So you're right about that. And look, right now, uh, what's been so great is that UConn, look, the schedule's a little easier right now, rightfully so, but but they've been able to, um, you know, withstand those injuries. So I kind of break this UConn team right now, what I've seen in, into you know three parts so I want to I want to touch upon all three um you know obviously Sonogo the impact of Alex Caravan and Donovan Klingen the two highly uh regarded freshmen and then the transfers so so Sonogo is just you know he's been named Big East player of the week rightfully so uh, just a monster couple of first games already averaging a double double yeah, he's been spectacular. I mean, obviously the competition level hasn't been great, but right. he's just shown better. You know, he's always had really good footwork, really good low post moves, really, really skilled down on the block um, as an offensive player. And he's um, looks even better as far as that's concerned. Again, against lesser competition, but, you know, you, hey, he, he, you know, he went out and scored, uh, what was it, 27 points the other night? I mean, he, he had double-double by halftime. I mean, he's, he's doing what he should do against that competition. He's looking really good. Right. He's also stepping out. He hit, he hit two or three three-pointers on against Boston, <laughs> against BU. We were uh, we were told prior to the season by both Coach Early and um, Adama that he was going to shoot three-pointers this year, and he's he took three the other night, and he hit the first two of his career. So, um He's 67% three-point shooter now, but, you know, he's going to do that. He's going to step out. He needs to expand his game a little bit to, to become more attractive to the NBA. As a 6'9 center, it's kind of a classic back-to-basket big. There's not really a place for that in the NBA these days. So he needs to expand his game for his own good. And, you know, it would help out UConn, too, that he, that he can do that. Shoot from 15, 18 feet, and then pop in some three-pointers here and there. Um, he's just been great. And uh, I, I expect, you know, he's a preseason Big East player of the year. And I fully expect him um, to be uh, probably the biggest player of the year if he can remain healthy this season. Yeah, which would join, you know, a, a long list of uh, UConn greats, you know, just, just you know, name them from Danielle Marshall to Emeka Okafor and 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 so forth. Um, I, I love what I've seen from the freshmen. Now, I, I had a close look at Donovan Klingon a couple of times. And I mean, just, just, you know, a men amongst boys in Connecticut high school basketball. How would his game translate to the Big East level? And then we haven't seen him in a Big East game, but certainly the, the Division One level. Uh, he has six blocks in two games. He, he he looks quick. He looks agile. He looks like he belongs and, and like he can make an impact. And the player I hadn't seen much in high school, but was New Hampshire State Player of the Year, Alex Caravan. Boy, I mean, he is. He reminds me, David. Do you remember um, Arturis Karnishevis when he played for Seton Hall? Uh, you know, six foot eight from Lithuania now right. GM, right. You know, in the NBA. Yep. He he just reminds me of his, his skill set where he can do a little bit of everything inside, outside, pass, rebound. Kind of a point forward, yeah. He's a, he's a really skilled passer. He's a really skilled player. Um, they love the fact that he's a shooter. Now, he hasn't shown that yet uh, in the games, but I think that, like, I think, he, you know, he's got a nice form. He's got a good touch. He just hasn't um, 
shot particularly well from three or even from the foul line, which is kind of surprising so far in the first two games. But I don't think that's going to be an issue. Just a really skilled, smart player. Dan Hurley loves him, um, really just loves him. Uh, and I think he's, you know, like you said, he can do a little bit of everything. He can kind of be that point forward. He can distribute. He can shoot. He can score. Now he's got to rebound a little better, maybe as a six, seven, six, eight kid. But um, uh, there's not much that he can't do. He's really been impressive his first two games as a, as a freshman. As as, the, as you mentioned, Donovan Klingon. I mean, I, look, we all know Donovan's seven foot two. We all know he's very offensively skilled. Uh, just really, really a, a very good passer. Really good passer out of the low post. Very good low post moves. Um, just a huge person, shot blocker. The question that I think we all had was how is it going to translate into the Big East in particular and college basketball in general coming from Connecticut high school, public high school basketball, which is where he's playing. He didn't, he didn't go to prep school. And um, so far it's been, he's been, he's been really good. He just looks the part. He dropped about 40 pounds over the off season. He's a lot thinner. He was, you know, he had that baby fat even last year as a senior in high school. He um, getting up and down the floor very well. Uh, and it's just such a what a weapon to have, you know. When Adama needs a blow, you bring in a seven foot two kid who can uh, intimidate the other team uh, defensively and score inside. Uh, their center position is is a real a huge strength for UConn right now. Oh, I, I can't wait to see you know them go up against Creighton and and Xavier. You know, you're talking about Kalkbrenner and Nunji and and you know it's it's gonna it's going to be uh, a lot of fun. And I know that you've been all over this, David. Uh, you've been really uh, wanting to see Klingon and Sonogo on the floor at the same time. How has that worked out? I guess it's been limited so far. Yeah, I think it was about 30 seconds uh, against Boston. <laughs> B- B- I, uh, I don't know if one of the guys picked up a foul. I can't remember exactly what the reason was. It was kind of strange because it only lasted a very brief amount of time. Okay. Um, you know, Dan said he's going to try that this year at times. I don't think it's going to happen a whole lot, especially when uh, when Andre Jackson gets back. Um, you know, he's a guy who's kind of a, he's kind of a three or four man, uh, to, he can play all over the court, but you know, that's a certainly a nice high low game. They could play there with, uh, with Donovan down low and Adama at the, at the, at the high post. And certainly maybe if you go against bigger teams, uh, you might want a bigger lineup like that, but I'm not so sure it's going to happen a whole lot this season. Okay. But, but listen, it, it's a great luxury to have that that not too many, you know, programs around the country do have. So uh, that brings us to the transfers Uh, against Boston university. uh, They all contributed and all did a little bit of everything. And I guess that's the advantage of having some depth and unfortunately having some injuries right next guy up, Tristan Newton, Naheem Aline, Hassan Diar, Joey Calcaterra uh, all had contributions against Boston university. So what what are your thoughts of, you know, what you've seen of them so far and how they're going to fit into Hurley's system? Yeah, it's been a mixed bag. I mean, by and large, I think they've been pretty good. Uh, Hassan Diar is a guy that Dan Hurley absolutely loves. He, he's a kind of a New York City point guard. He's a gritty guy, kind of, you know, just a, a, a total Dan Hurley type player. And he's been really good, really pesky defensively. I, he's He's been fun to watch. He's hit some clutch shots in his collegiate career already. Um, which speaks to the kind of player he is, a tough kid who's not afraid of the environment, not afraid of uh, the moment. So, um, yeah, I like the Sandiara a lot. Um, you know, Tristan Newton's a guy that they're really accounting on to, to be sort of a maybe the second, third leading scorer on the team this year. And um, I think coming from East Carolina, which is certainly a different program, uh, not quite as competitive a league, certainly not a very good team, 
it's taken him a while to kind of adapt to Dan Hurley's system, what, what Dan Hurley's expectations. And, and you can hear that in Dan when he talks about uh, Tristan. He, there's been a little disappointment, but the second half of the BU game, Tristan really stepped up, hit some shots, played a lot better, improved a little bit defensively. So, um, you know, he's probably the starting point guard this season, unless he gets outplayed by Hassan Diara. But so they're expecting a lot from him. Naheem Aline, um guarded BU's best player the other night. Um, I think Andre Jackson would have had that assignment, but he's obviously injured. Naheem seems just like a, another tough player. He can shoot three, and uh, he can shoot the mid-range. And I think he's a good all-around player, kid from uh, Virginia Tech, who also hit some clutch shots in college. So it's another thing you like to see. And uh, Joey Calcaterra out of San Diego. They call him Joey California. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's um, you know, he's a shooter. He's a guy who I think is going to be able to come off the bench and and pop some threes here and there for them this year. I don't see him getting a whole lot of run. Um, he hasn't done a whole lot these first couple of games. Um, but I think there'll be a, a few games this year where he'll pop off the bench and maybe knock down a couple of big threes that they'll need. Uh, if other guys aren't hitting and um, he'll play a role this year as well. Two things you can never have enough of, right? You, you can never have enough bigs and you can never have enough shooters, especially in this day and age. So look, they've set themselves up to, to be successful this year. Um, as they continue through the preseason, Florida's on their schedule. I know Florida just lost, but it is a true road game. So that's going to be a test. And obviously the, the Thanksgiving tournament, over in, in uh, Portland that's going to be huge with Oregon and possibly Alabama or Michigan State waiting. That's where we're really going to see uh, UConn, hopefully at full strength, and, and hopefully in a case where, you know, they can flex their muscles a little bit. Yeah, it's funny. You mentioned Florida losing the other night to Florida Atlantic at home. Uh, UConn also, their first opponent in the Phil Knight Invitational was Oregon, who lost the home game last week to, I think, UC Irvine, if I'm not yes. mistaken. And then UConn actually plays in the, in the Big East Big 12 Challenge. They, they host Oklahoma State on December 1st. Oklahoma State dropped a home game uh, um, the last week, and I, I can't remember exactly who, but it was it was quite an upset. So three of their big um, non-conference opponents have already lost, surprisingly, this year. But the Phil Knight tournament, like you said, they play Oregon the first game. They'll play either Alabama or Michigan State. Of course, Michigan State lost to Gonzaga, but that's a little more uh, understandable. They look good, though. They look good. In they did. They did. So that'll be either Alabama or Michigan State, and that second game will be really competitive. And then they could play North Carolina in that tournament. They could play Villanova, who, of course, also lost to Temple. But uh, um, there's a lot of good competition in that tournament. That We're really going to see who they are that week, um, especially if they're able to draw – Certainly, you know, Oregon, then maybe then obviously either Alabama or Michigan State, and then maybe if they can get Carolina or Villanova in that third game, whether it's a championship game or what, what have you, that's a pretty good um, – that'll be a pretty good three games in, in four-day stretch there for them. No question. And when you're in a tournament with eight teams, really the key is that first game, right? You want to stay in that winner's bracket where, where obviously, you know, you have a chance to play better teams and, and help your – your RPI, your Ken Palm, whatever, whatever the you know rating system is in this day and age, right? Right. The, the University of Portland is is the eighth team in that tournament, and I, I don't think UConn wants to be playing them. That's not going to be a, a help at all to them. In, in, in no disrespect to them, but uh, obviously that's one game they want to avoid. No question. And and it's it's odd, right? There, we've seen teams schedule you know non conference opponents. Uh, I think it happened with Seton Hall a couple of years ago with NC State. And, and you schedule a non-conference opponent and then you're in a tournament with them as well. 
and you end up playing them twice. I forget who the team was, but it happened to them. And then lo and behold, it's even odder that two Big East teams are in the same tournament, David. When this um, particular tournament first, uh, the, the, the idea of it first came about uh, five years ago, UConn was still in the American. When, when they first, you know, were deciding the teams to play in this particular, this year's event, UConn was not in the Big East yet. So they got Villanova and Xavier in this tournament. They were already, they were already chosen to play in this, but they were going to be on opposite. They, they, there's there's 16 different teams, eight, two, two 18 brackets. Okay. So Villanova and Xavier were separated. Now, with UConn comes to the Big East, they're already in this tournament anyway. So they put them, you know, they're, they're on the opposite side of the bracket as Villanova. Um, certainly, they'll, they'll, you know, I suppose they'll try to avoid having those two play, but they they obviously could. And um, it'd be kind of interesting if they were to play three three regular season games this year, not to mention the potential of the Big East tournament and, and even after that. So, um, but that's why there's, uh, that's why you kind of Villanova are in the same um, uh, tournament this year because, um, uh, multi-team multi-team event this year because uh, UConn was not in the Big East when when the teams were first put together. Okay, I didn't know it was put together that long ago. So no, it, it it's certainly a, one of the highlight, one of the showcase preseason tournaments, no question. So lastly, David, I want to talk to you about what your impressions are. I don't know how much you've seen of the Big East and and some of the teams. Have you been able to? catch what else is going on around the league and, and uh, you know, your thoughts on the first week. I thought and still think Creighton's the best team. I have them ranked fourth in the country and um, on my particular ballot. And I think Xavier is an excellent team. Um, both teams, you know, Creighton had a little trouble in its first game, I believe, but uh, they really looked good the other night in a blowout win. And they just have everything. They have it all this year. They're really tough. And I think Greg McDermott's a great coach. Yes, I think Xavier has a lot of good returning talent and a better coach now that Sean Miller's there. Um, uh, they're 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 right there at the top of the Big East, and I think UConn's right there as well. Um, yeah, it's tough to say. You know, Providence has so many newcomers. Um, it, it's hard to say what they could, but you know, Ed Cooley put it all together last year and won, and won a Big East regular season championship, and he's got a lot of talent this year too. They. They they had they struggled in their first game against Ryder. They barely pulled out a win against Ryder at home, in which they went to the free throw line like forty times to Ryder like six or something like that. <laughs> a little home cooking at the dunk. But um, uh, I think if Ed Cooley Ed Cooley could have talent to put together is a, or a good team. You know, Seton Hall's got injuries as as you know probably better than I do. Um, but there's some talent there. St. John's is interesting, and Villanova doesn't. You know, I'm surprised they lost Temple, but I thought they would struggle. I wasn't. I'm not shocked that they're off to a slow start because, never mind Jay Wright retiring, which is huge. Mm-hmm. Never mind the injuries that they have. Cam Whitmore hasn't played yet. Uh, Justin Moore. Who knows what they're going to get from him? But don't forget, Colin Gillespie was such a huge part of that team, and he's he graduated finally. Oh, <laughs> so, my God. Um, Seems like they was there for eight years. You're right. Yeah, I just thought Villanova was was going to struggle. Now they could put it together when they get healthy and when they start getting a group. But I had a feeling they were going to struggle off the bat, and they certainly have. They have taken a step back this year. There's no question about it. But no, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, it, it is really, I think, one weekend. It's very early, but but Creighton, UConn, and Xavier seem to be a notch above. And then you have that middle of the pack. I think Villanova has gone to the middle of the pack along with, you named it, Seton Hall, St. John's, Providence, uh, you know, are all kind of right there. And we'll, we'll see what happens over the next couple of weeks. The, 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 the Gavit games have some great matchups. 
Uh, it'll be interesting to see what Seton Hall can do against Iowa at home. It'll be very interesting to see what Villanova can do. I think they're playing Michigan State, if I'm not mistaken. Right. So, um, yeah, no, there, there are some games out there that last year the Big East dominated. I don't know if they're going to dominate as much this year, but but it's fun. Yeah, we'll see. And, it'll be, you know, it seems like Marquette, Butler, Butler played, lost to Penn State last night. Penn State looks like it's a little better this year. Uh, Butler's, you know, got some good transfers. Obviously, Thad Mott is the coach now. So um, some people think they could be a little bit of an upstart team. DePaul had a pretty good win over Minnesota um, in their Gavit game. So, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe this is the year they finally uh, move up a little bit in the standings. Hard to say. Uh, Georgetown, you know, the kid, nowhere to go but up there. So right. it's going to be fine. But I think you're, the that middle of the pack, anyone between anywhere, really, I would say anywhere between two and seven or eight, they're, they're going to be battles every night, you know, and 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 I don't think Creighton's going to go undefeated either. I think they're they're certainly beatable too. So it's it's going to be a fun season. Oh no, it, it would be shocking if any team goes undefeated. But but they're, they're the team to beat. They have the bullseye. So uh, David, thanks as always. Uh, you know, follow David Borges on Twitter as he covers UConn twenty four seven, and uh, check out his columns as well in. Hearst Media Group and the New Haven Register. David Borges, appreciate the time, and we will see you at a game very soon. All right, Brian, good talking to you. Thanks. All right, just an awesome job by David once again, as always. He is the premier beat writer for UConn men's basketball. As I said, his Twitter account, at David Borges, B-O-R-G-E-S. Give him a follow for all the latest and greatest information on UConn men's basketball. They are in a loaded field in this Phil Knight Classic. I mean, you're talking 16 teams in this, playing at two different arenas over Thanksgiving weekend, Thursday through Sunday. Uh, eight in one arena, eight in another arena. In UConn's bracket, it's North Carolina versus Portland, Iowa State versus Villanova. The winners would meet in the semifinals. Losers would go to the losers bracket. UConn versus Oregon, Alabama versus Michigan State. Those winners would move on to their semifinal matchup. And then on the other side, even better teams. Duke versus Oregon State with Florida and Xavier as one pod. And then Purdue and West Virginia, Portland State and Gonzaga in another pod. I mean, that is just screaming Duke versus Gonzaga in the finals and and what a what a matchup that would be on on Sunday November 27th in the championship game there. So uh yes, Yukon could conceivably play Villanova. Uh Yukon by the way came out as a 5 to 1 one of the favorites, 5 to 1 to come out and win uh their 18 matchup. And and North Carolina is is the betting favorite on that side, but Yukon versus North Carolina, I, I would love to see that on Sunday at 10 p.m. in that winner's bracket championship game. Now, closer to home, of course, we have the Gavit games going on, Big East against the Big Ten. Last year, the Big East just dominated uh, the Big Ten and wiped them off the map. Already, two games were underway on Monday. Uh, the scores stand at 1-1. One and one. Butler lost at an improved Penn State team, as David pointed out, and DePaul DePaul picking up a heck of a road win at Minnesota. Now, I know Minnesota isn't 
you know, one of the top eight teams in the Big Ten, but neither is DePaul. And for them to go on the road with the players they lost in Freeman Liberty and David Jones, who's now at St. John's, I mean, maybe this is their year, as David said, to finally crawl out of the last couple of teams, the basement in the Big East. However, before we get too excited, we have seen them win some, you know, early non-conference matchups in years past and then totally tank come Big East season. But maybe it's finally different. Looking ahead at the matchups on Tuesday, Marquette versus Purdue is a pretty good one. Northwestern at Georgetown. Meh. I mean, listen, that's a coin flip game too. Evenly matched teams there. Then that brings us to Wednesday. The sole game on the schedule in the Gavit games is Iowa at Seton Hall. This is the ultimate offense versus the ultimate defense, right? Iowa averaging 112 points in two games. Granted, they played Bethune-Cookman and North Carolina A&T, but we know Fran McCaffrey's teams like to get out there and, and score. They're not known for defense, that's for sure. But I saw it firsthand last year at Jersey Mike's Arena. Iowa, the leading scorer, the, the highest scoring team in the Big Ten, came to Rutgers and lost 48-46, held to 46 points. So when you play good defense like Seton Hall does, it gives you a chance to win. But these guys are just loaded, all right? They have long, athletic shooters. Keegan Murray's younger brother, Chris Murray, is leading the team in scoring after two games, averaging 18 points a game. You have Chris Murray at six foot nine, six foot eight. You have Patrick McCaffrey, Fran McCaffrey's son, at six foot nine. He's averaging 16 and a half points a game. And then you have Peyton Sanford at six foot seven, averaging 15 points a game. Between them in the first two games, Murray, McCaffrey, and Sanford, they've hit 15 threes. Okay, they will shoot it and they have length. That's what Seton Hall is up against. So how does Seton Hall combat that? Well, they have some length too. They can throw Casey and Defo out there. They can throw Tyree Samuel, Trey Jackson, certainly the Davis brothers. We know Dre likes to play defense and Tay is long too. Femi Odukale is long at six foot five. So it is going to be a chess match between McCaffrey and Holloway, uh, offense versus defense. I like what I've seen from Seton Hall so far defensively. We know their offense is going to be a work in progress, but on any given night, they have shown anyone can lead this team in scoring. And they have interchangeable parts. There is no drop-off from the first team to the second team. And I tweeted this out after the win over St. Peter's. The second unit for Seton Hall outscored the first unit 45 to 35. If you get 20 points out of your bench, that's big. They got 45 points out of their bench. That tells me one through 10, they're all interchangeable. That's pretty darn good. Okay, they need to work on their rebounding. And when you know that a team shoots threes, there's going to be long rebounds. I can't wait for that game.
I give Seton Hall the edge because they're at home. If it was at Iowa, I would certainly give Iowa the edge. But I think defense will prevail in this one over offense. I think the score will be somewhere in the 60s. And I think Seton Hall will prevail by four points. Then Thursday, Nebraska against St. John's. Okay, St. John's has a, has a game earlier this week on Tuesday against Central Connecticut. So they should be 3-0 heading into that game. And I fully expect them to be 4-0 after this game against Nebraska. Nebraska was picked last in the Big Ten. So this is a team that St. John's has to beat. And what's been great about this team so far is David Jones because he has clearly made up for the loss of Julian Champagny. I'm not saying he's as good as Champagny, but they lost a tremendous scorer, a first-team all-biggies performer in Champagny, and they have replaced him with a rising star in the Big East and a player who can equally score the ball in David Jones, who's averaging 20 and a half points in his first two games. Joel Soriano has been as good as advertised. Earlier in the preseason, head coach Mike Anderson told me that he expects Joel Soriano to be a double-double machine. And that's exactly what he's been in his first two games. Averaging 12.5 points, 10.5 rebounds a game. Expect that to continue against Central Connecticut. And then we'll see what happens against Nebraska. But Joel Soriano is that much needed inside presence so that Mike Anderson can have that inside outside combination with Soriano and guys on the perimeter like Jones and Curbelo and Posh and Montez Mathis and Ade Wusu. We heard all about Posh Alexander trying to improve his shot in the offseason, working on his three point shot. So far, he's firing blanks. I know it's just a two-game sample. He's 0 for 3 from 3, but it's something to keep an eye on. Corbello looks much more comfortable right now in that two-guard set with Posh. Uh, they can equally score as well, one, is, uh, one as equally as well as the other, but I'd like to see Posh get a little bit better with his three-point accuracy. We'll see how that transpires. But uh, expect St. John's to have a big week this week and sweep through Central Connecticut and Nebraska. Then Friday is the marquee matchup, the marquee doubleheader in these Gavit games. Uh, we don't see UConn, unfortunately. That's a shame. And we don't see Creighton, unfortunately. That's a shame. So you're talking about two of the Big East top three teams. But we get Indiana and Xavier, followed by Villanova and Michigan State in the nightcap. Um, I'm going to go for a split there. Although the, the, the favorites should be Indiana and Michigan State. Indiana, the preseason favorites in the Big Ten. Michigan State showed me a lot against Gonzaga. They should have won that game on the aircraft carrier, but Gonzaga is Gonzaga and found a way to win that game late. They trailed by double digits. But Tom Izzo's squad is very good. I'm going to say somehow, some way, that Friday night doubleheader ends up in a split one and one. All right, but that is the way it shapes up this week uh, in the Big East with some, some big matchups there. 
It is week two of the college basketball season. David Borges was fantastic. UConn looks good. Let's keep an eye on them. They are big. They are athletic. Uh, I can't wait for the games this week. I will be at Seton Hall on Wednesday, at Carneseca Arena on Thursday. Looking forward to seeing those games in person and then talking to the coaches and players after the game. I will put that all together in my next podcast sometime over the weekend. So be on the lookout for that. As things happen in college basketball here in the Tri-State, we will have it for you right here on the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. Thanks for listening, everyone. My name is Brian Dinabellis. So long.